right, now you're getting me hungry for tacos. But wait, do you do you wait you do chicken tacos? You don't do beef. I I'll, I never do. Well, I fucking hate ground beef as taco meat. You I do? Think it's disgusting. I will never like ground beef taco meat. I either do steak or chicken. What makes it disgusting to you? The texture, the taste. Taco seasoning's gross. I make I do my own seasoning. I do like a cilantro lime seasoning mm-hmm. for either chicken or beef. I just like marinate it for a day i normally get like some fling steaks and then you, you know you tenderize them with the the cilantro lime because it's got like orange and lime juice in it. it gets the beef nice and softer and then you sear it up and you slice it and you put it in a taco with get a little avocado spread in there a little bit of queso yeah but see for me do... the problem is is the cilantro i have that thing that uh, me the, too the, the, you do and you still eat it yeah yeah, because, you know, it's kind of not noticeable when it's with a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. More so, obviously, if I eat a piece of cilantro, it's going to taste like shit. Yeah. But when it's mixed in, like, it's not over... I don't really use too much of it, but I use it enough that it complements what's in what's in the tacos. See... Because you... if you just use... I mean, I don't mean to cut you no, off, but I mean... If you just use no cilantro at all, you notice it's not there. Like, I don't like my cilantro and guac, but I definitely um, I definitely enjoy, like, cilantro when it's marinated with my meat because it's not that overpowering. The, the amount of obstacles I go through to avoid cilantro is crazy. The only time I ever have cilantro is in the white rice at Chipotle. I hate Chipotle. It's the only place that I... I mean, they have cilantro in both rices there, Mm -hmm. but thankfully, because I get all that other shit on it, you can't taste the cilantro. Yeah. But I want to get the the corn salsa so bad because I I would want to have corn in like a burrito, but it's got so much cilantro in it. I I don't know. If I get it, it's just going to, I know it's just going to taint the flavor, so I don't get it just because I know it's already going to be bad. I think cilantro is unfortunately necessary to most Mexican cooking. And at some point you kind of just get over it. Like I'm not a garlic person. I'm not a huge fan of just garlic on its own. Um, I'm not one of those motherfuckers that could just like roast garlic and eat a whole clove of it. I think that's kind of fucking, that's nasty. you're You're disgusting. But, um, if you don't put it in cooking, like when you're using it in a recipe that needs it and you take it out, you notice it's not there. And it's like, it won't taste like garlic. Like when I make soups, garlic's in most soups. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if I don't put the garlic in the soup, it's not going to taste as good. So I even tried to make like a fake cane sauce yesterday. Cause when I came home from work, we had leftover chicken nuggets from Wendy's Mm -hmm. and I made like a fake cane sauce and I put garlic salt in it and it wasn't it's wasn't king sauce because I don't know what mayonnaise they use or what ketchup they use specifically, but I thought it was um it was pretty good. It's missing a couple of other ingredients though for it, apparently. You should look it up online. I, just, I did look it up online and I chose this recipe. It was just five ingredients. It was garlic salt, Worcestershire sauce, black pepper, mayo, and ketchup. And it kinda tasted like it with if you put it on something, mm-hmm. it like it was it definitely wasn't cane sauce but it was like trying so hard to be it was good don't get me wrong it was really tasty 
um, and a good dipping sauce, but it definitely wasn't as good as the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard so to beat I, that. I'm... I, but you can make it it's so easily, apparently. So I need to keep trying out recipes and figure one out because obviously my addiction to Keens, I can't Dude. I can't just go spend all my money going to a Keens restaurant all the time. Dude, I'm so excited for fucking Keens to come out in Times Square. Yeah, I'm good s- luck getting in there. I'm, it's it's the, apparently the biggest uh, the biggest restaurant in Times Square. Really? Yeah, apparently it's going to be What's- that big. What spot are they taking? Over? I don't know. I know they're on a corner. Oh God! And it's apparently massive. And they, yeah, they say it's the flagship store now. Raising Keens, NYC. Yeah, yeah. If Broadway and Forty Fourth. Yeah. Eighty-five hundred square feet. It's big. Holy shit. And you know my ass is going to be there opening day. Good lord. <laughs> um, Dude, I can't... I, I can't tell you how sad it is to not be near a Canes after having it once. Yeah, I know. It's kind of disgusting how addicting it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm counting so... down the days. I think they said it's like the springtime it's supposed to come. Just fast forward my life to spring. I wish I was Adam Sandler and Click. Just fast forward me till then. <laughs> Good lord. I don't know. I went to the nicest Raising Canes uh, ever that was basically like a standalone restaurant. Where? Um, in right outside of, um, it was on the way back into, It was clo- it's closer to Trenton. It's um, literally, I don't even know why I can't use my brain. It's right outside of Sesame Place. Hmm. But... Um, it was so good. It's in this like uh, strip mall. It's in Fairless Hills, PA, and it's right near Sesame Place. So they probably do really good numbers. But we went there like late at night on the way back from uh, what you would call it, um, seeing Turnstile because mm-hmm. it was on the way back to us, and it was delectable. It was so good. You know, speaking of uh, fast forwarding to the good part. Gabe, welcome to this week's episode of the Your Song, My Song podcast. Oh, we're just, we're going to do it like this, huh? <laughs> we're just going to have a cold open of us Hell yeah. for eight minutes talking about yep. chicken tenders and shit. Chicken tenders. Uh, what else we talk? We talk about the tacos and then we uh, tacos. go right You got me so, so fucking hungry. <laughs> so hungry before going to record, dude. I am so starving yeah oh my god that's why i, I just have, had I, that yogurt all i have was in to his two nutty buddies and a bottle of water before recording mm. so well you know what i do want to ask you really quickly before we jump yeah. into the rest of this yeah you said you had uh wendy's right yeah a couple yesterday or something yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was nuggets right yes okay i had nuggets like a couple days ago mm-hmm. and they were so good i don't know do you have you noticed that they? You know, I well. So first of all, I got a family size nugget. Okay. And what size even, is that? He, that's fifty nuggets. Oh my Jesus! What? Yeah. They well, I mean, me and Sam. Yeah, me and Sammy split it. That's dope. Yeah, like we like to save some to reheat. Although they're not as good reheated, I will say. Like we put them in the air fryer, and they're not as good. Mm-hmm. 
but uh yeah i i i don't know i think in terms of like <clears throat> i know we talked about raising canes i think raising canes has the best fast food chicken overall um but every time i've ever had wendy's chicken nuggets they've always been delicious they're always good every time mcdonald's chicken nuggets are so hit and miss i 100 percent agree with you on that like you can get fresh out of the fryer McDonald's chicken nuggets and they will taste like Jesus Christ uh, fucking coming in your mouth. They're so good. But then you can have the chicken nuggets that have been sitting out for longer than fucking half an hour and they are cold and rock hard and fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. They're so nasty. Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. I love Chick-fil-A. I think Chick-fil-A is great. But Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets are so hit or miss because sometimes you get the crunchiest morsels of a chicken nugget. You get just the crispiest chicken nuggets. And then you get the softest, like you're you're just biting into just ugh, just just soft chicken nugget. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Not a fan. Um, who else has chicken nuggets? Fuck Burger King. Burger King doesn't even deserve Dude, to be just mentioned sucks. for their chicken nuggets. They were selling how many chicken nuggets? They were selling like 10 chicken nuggets for, like for a, a buck. dollar. Yeah. Yeah, that shows you exactly how good their chicken nuggets yeah. are. Not good at all. Yeah. And uh a Dairy Queen doesn't even have chicken nuggets. They have fucking chicken tenders. Yeah, but they're and those good. are like they're 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 okay. They're not like they're horrible. They're like the one thing on the Dairy Queen menu that you always know will be kind of okay. Yeah. Um we have a Dairy Queen near us where we live and it's like locally owned, and I got a burger from there and it was nasty. It was disgusting. It was like frozen horse meat tasting. Oh, it was God. horrible. God, I'm trying to think who else has chicken now, You know nuggets. what? Uh, Burger King, if you're listening, and we know that you are, step up your mm-hmm. fucking game. Stop yes. it with that flame-broiled crap. Step up your goddamn game. Like, And the chicken All nuggets, right. too. The chicken nuggets well, is gross. Okay, you know what? I have to say, though, um, their dollar menu burgers, in my opinion, are like the best thing on the menu because they taste like... A cookout burger, like if you were at like the family barbecue, and I really like that mm-hmm. sometimes. Like I just have that taste sometimes. Like oh, I want like a like a grilled burger. Mm-hmm. I don't like Whoppers because I think they're way too big and floppy, and texturally they just you know mouthfeel wise. Yeah. After a while, they start to taste like shit. Um, but I I do really like their kind of like their their two dollar burger offerings that they have like their little double cheeseburgers i like them better this is going to sound horrible i like them better than mcdonald's's like burger offerings That's, for no. their singles and doubles no don't say that to I, me. yeah i'm sorry jesse bro the taste of flame broiled is just awful i no, hate i literally hate it every time i try it remember we did that that like burger taste test where we went around town and got all those burgers. Yeah. Yeah. I hated that burger. I hated that I I every time I even smell it going driving by it to go home, it just smells awful. I don't know what it is. It's the only thing I like there besides their Hershey pies and their milkshakes. They have the the best fast food milkshake in my opinion the oreo milkshake's really good mcdonald's milkshakes i'm sorry they taste like shit and they have a horrible fucking aftertaste and wendy's doesn't have milkshakes they have frosties yeah but frosties frosties are king Uh, i guess they're not super sweet like and you can't drink them unless you let them melt you know what i I like like to do with the frosty going back to wendy's 
you dip your fry or your chicken nugget the nuggets, in it. The nuggets. Yeah. I do I do the fries. fries. I don't really get fries at Wendy's. Uh but when I do the chicken nuggets, I always dip it in the chuck fry. Let me ask your opinion on this. Who has the best fast food fry out there? Best you gonna say food. McDonald's? No. Uh because I think they're wildly hit or miss as well, but Wendy's fries are gross, and so are Burger King. I don't they're like not good. When, well, Burger King, as I established, is just gross. Um, yeah, Wendy's, they're not good. Uh, it's I don't want to say Chick Fil A because that's like the easy answer for me. See, they I don't like season their fries. I like, so I like I'm a not seasoned a... fry. I think I think I'm gonna go with Checkers is my favorite fast food fry. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna do you one better, Jesse. Okay. Arby's curly fries. I'm not a big best. I'm not a big Arby's fan. Oh my god! They, they open, Arby's no, they curly fries are the best thing in the world. They have one here on Hempstead Turnpike, and I tried yeah. it for the first time uh, a year ago. Maybe? Arby's food offerings in general are kind of mid, unless you really like roast beef. Uh, I'm not a huge roast beef person, especially hot roast beef. Mm-hmm. Um, but like their curly fries, I remember I got it maybe like a couple months ago before I moved. I got it for me and Sammy because she likes Arby's. And um, what's it? Uh, I I got the crinkle cut fries from there, and I love a good crinkle cut fry. All right, and the crinkle cut fries were good, but then I tried her curly fries. I mean, I've had Arby's curly fries, like the frozen ones, and I thought they're great. But man, those were just oh god, they were so good. They were just ugh, did you they try? Were like, did you try it with the Arby's sauce? I didn't try it with the Arby's sauce. I didn't dip it in the cheese sauce at all. No, 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 not cheese sauce. It's like a red sauce. Oh, they have they had like a. They had like a pepper jelly sauce because they had chicken nuggets at the time, uh-huh. and their chicken nuggets were pretty good. Um, but no, I didn't I try know. it in like a red sauce for them. Yeah, it looks it kind of looks almost like a ketchup. But I'm not a fry dipper guy, you know, unless I'm at Canes. Like, and I'm not Canes... a fr- I'm not a dipper either. Even with the you're gonna hate me for this. Even the, at the chick even at Chick Fil A now, I don't really dip a lot. I don't, I don't, but that's the thing. The fries, to me, they're the compliment. They're like, I put all the sauce on my sandwich, and then I have the fry to balance it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're having a, like, even at Wendy's, I'll get fries, because if I'm having a burger, it's got a lot of cheese or sauce on it. The potato comes and soaks some of that up. It adds, like, a nice little, and a texture thing, too, if they're, like, nice and crispy. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, in terms of best fast food fry besides Arby's, um, I'd say Five Guys because their fries are delicious. Although Five Guys is, I would say, is uh, f- just a fucking ripoff nowadays. So, um, yeah, they're not. Um, and they're also like not great. We all know that the best burger spot was Bobby's Burgers. Absolutely. Bobby's Burger Palace in the Roosevelt Field Mall. Greatest burger restaurant of all time. We lost it. I'm so sad. I hate it. And you know what? When we were in Vegas earlier this year, we could have gone to the Bobby's <laughs> I'm never going to live this place. down. I'm never yeah, going to We could have gone to that fucking Bobby's Burger place inside of Caesar's Palace, and we didn't. And instead, we went to a goddamn Grand Lux Cafe. And I regret that decision because I've oh, been to Grand I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about when we did In-N-Out instead of Bobby's. Oh, no. Okay. You want to know? You want to Okay. You know, Jesse, I love you to death, but In-N-Out, gross. In-N-Out was so mid. It was so fucking mid, all right? And they have, by far, 
the worst French fries on the planet. The French fries restaurant. aren't good unless you animal style them. I will give you that. I had them animal styled, and they still tasted like f- fucking cardboard. Mm. And I mean, we did eat it like half an hour after we got it because yeah. we had to rush back to our hotel room. But like, damn, dude, it was just. It, like the burger was mid their milkshake was pretty good i mean the only thing i could say about it is that it's cheap that's yeah. it like it all it is is just cheap so but anyway this is a music podcast not a food <laughs> podcast you can listen to me and jesse's food podcast coming next year yes yeah, spring we talk, 2023 we do our exclusive yeah spring 2023 where we do our exclusive rankings for food and restaurants so yes. But yeah, um, welcome to the show, everybody. This is the Your Song, My Song podcast. I'm Gabe. And, and uh, uh, we already established this. I'm Jesse. Yes, and you're Jesse. Yeah. And uh, this is a show where me and Jesse like to make a pod, uh, not a podcast, but we do make a podcast. Uh, but we make a playlist, and then we have a podcast about the playlist mm-hmm. uh, that we make every week. And uh, before we get more into it, I'd just like to do a little housekeeping as per usual to remind everybody we put out a new episode every week, although this past month we haven't been sticking to that. But that's more because actually we, we have some it was just issues. one day. It was one week. It, it was one week. Was one yeah, week. we we had one week that we skipped, but that was pure technical issues. Um, but, you know, uh, shit happens and we use a free program. But uh in keeping with our schedule, uh, a new episode of our podcast goes out every Monday, and we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, the free feeds, anywhere you can listen to a podcast, we are there. And uh, if you want, you can give us a follow over at uh, on Instagram at YSMS underscore podcast. I am going to start trying to promote the show on tiktok too and maybe do some tiktok content possibly Mm -hmm. all right i don't know i've been giving it a thought i want to talk to our good friend dylan who's like a tiktok master and maybe get some sage advice from him because i feel like he would know what i'd have to do because he's always like yeah i had to make a new tiktok account uh because the old one got shadow banned and i'm like how the fuck did you even how do you know that yeah how did you figure that out so uh but yeah, give us a follow over on Instagram. Feel free to DM us, comment, any questions, concerns, uh, episode ideas. And uh, a reminder that in every podcast description, there is a link uh, to our link tree where you can find the playlists uh, that we talk about today. And also on those pages, you'll be able to find the previous week's uh, playlists as well uh, in case you want to uh, give them a listen. If you've been out of the loop, if this is your first episode, welcome. Yeah, we welcome. appreciate you for tuning in. But uh, yeah, uh, with all that being said, now that we've uh, we've gotten our little bit of banter out of the way, Jesse, uh, what's today's topic about? What so, are we talking about today? Last week we told everybody that this week's topic would be '60s, but we lied. We are trying to keep up with our schedule, and since we lost that one week, we decided to move. Uh, we decided to keep this week as Halloween, so we're giving you guys a week to find the Halloween music that we talk about today, and then get to listen to yep. it at your Halloween party if you if you're uh, hosting. 
Exactly. So. A lot of Halloween stuff is going down this week as uh, next Monday is going to be, not this upcoming Monday the 24th, but the following Monday the 31st is going to be Halloween. So I know a lot of people are going to, it's on a Monday, so I, you know, not a lot of people I don't think are going to be partying on a Monday, but the weekend before Halloween is bumping. And that's why we uh, were putting out this Halloween episode now. So you got a week of spookiness, all right? Like, if you haven't already been listening to Halloween music all October, you know, this is your chance to listen to some great Halloween tracks. So, um, but yeah, uh, me and Jesse, we both go, we get 10 songs, we bring them back, we form a playlist, we take five of those songs each, and we talk about them more in depth. And like Jesse said, this is... It's all about Halloween this week. So the spooky uh, season is upon us. The spooky season is upon us. And and uh I think this is gonna be a good one. I've I definitely I personally went out of my way to kind of choose some uh I, I didn't want to do a lot of themes. I have uh a couple themes, but I I really wanted to kind of like look for more horror-ish songs and spooky music you know mm-hmm. um not just like you know get like uh spooky themes to yeah you went television you, you went more movies. like uh with the lyrics and stuff like that i went with uh, more pop culture like party hits yeah with mine i mean some of these are pop i would definitely say that a couple of these are sh- for sure pop culture songs especially like later on the list i'm going to talk about two songs that i think are very culturally significant even now mm-hmm. so i have a, i have some popular songs i didn't go i didn't go all deep cuts um but definitely um it's going to be a varied list here but jesse would you like to go first or would you like me to go first uh, you know what i'll go, i'll take this one i'll go first all right jesse starting off what what's your what's the first song you're talking about on our all right so playlist? today my number five song is ghostbusters all right, by Ray Parker Jr. I mean, you live under the rock if you don't know this song. Unfortunately, uh, this song came out in June of '84, mm-hmm. and it's like I said, it's written by Ray Parker Jr. for the movie Ghostbusters. Yep, it's uh, it's one of those earworm songs where you hear it once and uh, you'll be listening to it all day in your head. At least that's how it is for me. Uh, I am afraid of no ghost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Ray Parker Jr. actually wrote this song in two and a half days because the studio mm-hmm. was like trying to get all these different people in it uh, to like do the song. And then they finally had Ray Parker Jr. say, oh, here's two and a half days. Write a song for us. Originally, it was supposed to be uh. like a 30 second like clip for the movie. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, we need, need full, we need we need a whole song. song. Yeah. Oh, boy. So this was kind of funny when I was reading about it. Uh, he was home alone and he was watching TV when he saw this like advertisement. And on the TV was the advertisement that had like a jingle. And one of the, the words that they said was, who are you going to call? And then, you know, the slogan. And that's how he came up with, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Oh, oh okay. Yes. Uh, so like I was alluding to before, like there was a bunch of previous people like who were being tapped to write it. Yeah. Lindsay Buckingham was originally supposed to write the theme. Oh, okay. But then he, they, they really wanted him. They were like trying to get on for it uh, because the previous year he had a uh, national lampoons vacation mm-hmm. with, with uh, Chevy chase, but he passed yep. because Buckingham was like, yeah, I don't want to be that soundtrack guy. 
So that's why he decided to pass on it, and then Ray Parker got it. But mm-hmm. uh, Ghostbusters reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 uh, in August of 84, so like two months after the movie came out, Yeah, which is cool. And it stayed there for three weeks. So that's kind of like the basic rundown of the origins of it. But then later on, Huey Lewis got involved. I'm so I was waiting for you to talk about this. I was like, is he gonna say it? Yep. it when is he gonna talk about this? So but yes, Huey I know Lewis, I know all about this. For those of you who do not know, Huey Lewis uh, has a song called I Want a New Drug. And apparently Huey Lewis thought that Ghostbusters was very similar to his song. So he uh he took them to court. Uh, for a lawsuit against uh, copyright uh, claims for the song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they decided, excuse me, they decided to settle it out of court. And then when Huey Lewis decided to talk about it in public, which then breached the confidentiality agreement that they had. Mm -hmm. So then Ray Parker Jr. then sued Huey Lewis for (laughs) for breaking the confidentiality agreement. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, and then Huey Lewis does get royalties, if I'm not mistaken. Or he did get paid for it. So apparently there's some uh, found Not like play. that man needs royalties, but... I mean, yeah, he's got that Back to the Future money, too. You know, I've got a Huey Lewis fun fact for you. I don't know if you know this about him. This is completely off topic, but since we're talking about Huey Lewis, did you know that this man has a famous penis what? in the music industry? Yeah, he apparently he is hung like a goddamn horse, <laughs> and uh, and his penis has been talked about far and wide throughout the music industry. That so that is I thought that really weird that you know that yeah. I thought that would be a, a fun fact to share about Huey Lewis. Yeah, that's so. That's... But sorry, go back to talking about Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only thing I could uh, really add to that is uh, not add to that, but uh, add to my part of the conversation was uh-huh. that in uh, in the music video for Ghostbusters, they actually had like a bunch of celebrities. I don't know if you ever saw the the video. I I did. I want to say I have when I was younger, but I haven't watched it recently. They but, had uh, Carly Simon, John Candy, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, mm-hmm. uh, Terry Garr, David, uh, David, Danny DeVito, Chevy Chase, and Peter Falk, aka Columbo, for those of you who don't know Peter Falk's name. Uh, so they were all in the video, which was pretty cool. I mean, I've seen the video, but uh, they did it as a mm-hmm. favor to uh, Harold Ramis, I think. Uh, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. And especially Rest in peace, Harold ha- Ramis. Harold Ramis, you know, directed uh, Vacation, so that's how he knew Chevy. Yep, and he wrote uh, Ghostbusters. Yes, um, with, with uh, Ivan Reitman. Yep, he just passed too. Yeah, Reitman just passed last year. Yeah, right. I think yeah. I think right before summer started, he passed away. Yep. Which rest in peace to the to that guy. I mean, yeah, to the goat. Yeah. Making making Ghostbusters. Thankfully, uh, thankfully they finally made that you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife, like Ghostbusters three. Still haven't seen it, dude. You gotta watch that movie. 
I have to find wherever it is on streaming and watch it. I could probably I have a digital copy. I could probably like send it to your TV or something. Or I could just pirate it, you know. I could yeah, do don't that. don't uh admit to that on the internet. Oh, nobody cares. <laughs> I pirate films all the time. Come on, we know right? we know that Dave uh Listen, know that listen, 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 are Jesse, listening. Jesse, I pay 30, no, not 30, I pay like $23 a month for AMC A-List, mm-hmm. okay? I am allowed once in a while to pirate a film that especially AMC can't be bothered to put in their movie theaters near me, all right? Like what? I, I pay, like, ter- how about Terror for Two, oh. a horror film that me and Sammy have been trying to go see, and they, they can only put it in one theater near us, and it's a sucky theater, with sucky seats. Hey, There's another thing doesn't... AMC can't do. Another, da, 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 another thing AMC can't do is refurbish all their goddamn theaters. Hey, okay? that is not their problem. If you that want, is their problem. No, no. If you want to see that movie and it is playing in a theater near you, you can go to that theater. Just because that you're you're uh, you know all uh, crazy about which theater you're going to, I still go to Raceway. I pride myself in still going to Raceway. You are you are madman no. for sitting in that theater. No, because you know what? I want to see a good movie. And if from what I hear, Terror Two is a really good movie for a little little horror film. Mm-hmm. I would get my ass to that theater. I wouldn't care. Or I could stay at home and not have to spend the money on popcorn and have a well, bag of microwave you gotta have popcorn. popcorn huh? I always got to have popcorn, God damn it! Why do you I have can't have not have popcorn because it's not you're not seeing a movie if you don't have a thing of pop popping <laughs> corns in your hand. Okay, I got to have my cherry vanilla Coke and I have to have my big bag of popping yeah, corns. That is okay? not anyone's problem but your own. No, it is AMC's problem. I, there should be free popcorn. There should be better seats. I shouldn't have to pay the premium price of going into the Dolby Theater exclusively when I want to sit in reclining seats at the movie theater that's only 20 minutes away from me. Mm-hmm. And they should also put more films in the theater that is actually refurbished that's also not that far from me as well, but they don't. Mm-hmm. All right? So how about you just take your opinions and you go somewhere else with them, Jesse? Okay. All right? You got you got a million movie theaters to go to. I got two. Yeah. Well, this has nothing to do with Ghostbusters. I know. And let me tell you, Jesse, <laughs> I love the Ghostbusters theme so much. Uh, it's a, Obviously, it's a classic. I don't think you can go one Halloween without ever hearing it. Um, I mean... It's aged like fine wine. It is. It is. It's such a goofy sounding song, but I mean, it's. It's. I. I would say it's eponymous with the film. You can't have one without the other. All right. There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters. Exactly. Um. I mean, musically, I do like the synths. I think the synths are really. Um, uh, like funny on it, and uh, kind of you know like. They're a, it's super 80s, you know, very definitely like if you wanted a song uh, that could define the 80s, this could be one of them. Oh, 100%. Um, but I mean, I I like everything about this song. There's not there's not much I can add. I don't know any secret facts. I'm the only thing I was gonna add was gonna be the whole him getting sued by uh, Mr. Big Dick. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and. And you and you found it anyways. Yeah. So but yeah, no, it's a great track and uh classic Halloween track. I would have put it on my list if you probably hadn't added it, because you know, 
you can't you can't have a Halloween playlist without Ghostbusters. This is true. Well, I I also just wanted to mention. I don't know if you knew this, but Mm -hmm. you know the movie Hercules with uh, with the Rock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So where he has hair. Yeah. So he has the the hair like the the beard and the like the goatee and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to know that that hair was made of yak pubes. Okay. Yeah. I just found what is that. Nothing. It has what? nothing to do with Ghostbusters. What the fuck? <laughs> what does that have to do with Ghostbusters? Nothing. Nothing. I just uh, I thought it that's, was interesting. That's great, Jesse. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I really appreciate it. You know what? You, you brought up Huey Lewis's... Uh, but it's you know. related. It's fucking related. Because he has a huge cock. The cock's attached to the man. The man sued the dude who made the song Ghostbusters. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah, but, you know, uh, Ray Parker Jr. has a beard. Six, and so six did... degrees to separate me for for that fun fact, please. You can't. No, Ray Parker literally Jr. Has a, has a mustache. And in the movie Hercules. I have a mustache. Yeah, but in the movie Hercules, uh, the the... The mustache that The Rock has is made of yak pubes. So that's- okay, all right, Jesse, yeah. you win, you win. There sure, you one one degree for you, one okay. degree of separation, right? Yep, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yep, absolutely. Yeah, you can take your other I five have- degrees and get the hell out of here. Right? Yep, I I have um, eyes, and that means that I, I I am related to everybody else who has eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah you're right. Yep. Okay. Well, if you're done, if you're done, done talking about, if you're done talking about Ghostbusters, I'd like to talk about the first song that I've picked here. Yes, Gabe, you right, can yes, now go. my number five spot. And uh, I've decided to talk about today uh, a little song called "Season of the Witch" by Donovan. Uh, and I would say this is Donovan's most popular song. I'd say that the song is synonymous with halloween and halloween court culture it is a it's a it's a you know what it's a fun little tune it's very um it's actually hailed as uh one of the uh like our typical or i our archetypical i don't know how to say archetype it's 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 like an og psychedelic song that's famous for kind of shaping the genre of psychedelic music it is very psychedelic it's very very moody mm-hmm. um something i really like about the track uh like how the guitars are just that main riff it's very mysterious very intriguing and uh i did some uh you know investigations into the lyrics today and uh the lyrics uh they're I want to say they're about somebody who's very paranoid um almost like from the perspective of like a mental asylum patient um the song itself, it has like a whole very much like a it feels like like the E it feels like something really bad's about to happen. Like you're being watched and like you're gonna get like grabbed or um I saw somebody describe it as an Eve of Apocalypse song. And I I really agree with that. Um That's cool. I like how the the chorus is very much like it always feels like the song's about to explode into something more. And then it calms back down, you know, Um, and yeah, uh, I think it's a a great little Halloween track. I mean, I know it's, you know, like a really 
popular song. It's been used in a bunch of stuff. I mean, there's a goddamn Halloween film named after it. So, oh, so uh, so the movie is after the song, right? No, I'm making that up. Oh. But I mean, I would I would like to assume that Halloween three season of the witch is named after the song, but I have absolutely no idea. But um, yeah, you know, um, season of the witch. Uh, not much more I can add to it other than that. I think it is a classic Halloween staple, kind of like Ghostbusters. Jesse, how do you feel about Season of the Witch? I mean, I love this song. Uh, it's very much a Donovan song, you know, like Mm -hmm. he just has that sound to him and Season of the Witch is really fun. I like it a lot. He's also, I think most people know his song Mellow Yellow. Yeah, I think that's Mellow like, Yellow. I think that's like arguably his most famous song, right? I dis- I would I think Season of the Witch is his most famous song. Well, I know I I you know I know Mellow Yellow um Her- Hurdy Gurdy Man as well is a, another really good psychedelic track that he has that was used in um uh, uh Zodiac um back in 2007. That's where I heard that one from. But um, actually, can I tell you a funny fact really quick from sure. where I remember the most hearing this song? Yeah. Um, in, you know, the movie The Other Guys? Yes. Yeah. So they use this song uh, kind of during like a peak moment in the movie where they're uh, about to go and ex- like it's like the peak of the movie and I just remember the song's playing and Will Ferrell goes, Gator needs his get bitch to fucking michael keaton um right as like the chorus is kicking on and yeah this is where i remember the song most from. <laughs> it's not a horror movie it's a comedy yeah um but uh yeah uh sorry i'll let you go back to what you were saying no no i don't really have this. i don't really have too much to say either i mean i did i never really you know it is like a halloween song when like you know spooky stuff but I've never I've never seen it on a Halloween playlist and I think I think that's what makes it cool that you picked it to be on this playlist for us mm. is that it's very unique to us being that this song I've never seen on a actual Halloween playlist. So good good it on you for that. It doesn't seem like it would be a Halloween song, right? Even though it's called Season of the Witch, mm-hmm. which like, you know, like would maybe make it like an easy pick. But um I, like I said, I just get this invoked feeling of kind of like um, I'm being watched while, while like listening to it. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, him saying, when I look out my window, you know, in the beginning. Um, and it's it, it just, like I said, it feels like it's about to kind of like the whole song's about to explode and like you know you feel like you're gonna get snatched or some shit and that's why i like it It was really kind of like the creepy feeling of the song and i mean also it's it is just a fucking bop it's just like it's really vibey and funky super psychedelic there's like a cool i want to say uh i don't know what it is there's a solo in the middle of it if it's like uh um like a guitar or if it's like some sort of organ in the middle of it but there's like a really cool uh like uh uh solo in the middle of it that i also really enjoy but yeah um i appreciate you thinking that it's uh like a low-key pick for a halloween playlist uh, that's cool i like that yeah um but I, yeah i do i do think that was a good a good choice 
Um, before you know, before we go on to the next one, I don't know if you knew this. I forget mm-hmm. what country it is exactly, but there's a there's a chocolate bar, and it's actually called Nut Kisses. So, Halloween, you know, if you if you're in that country, get get you some uh, Nut Kisses. Is this going to be a new thing where you just randomly talk about like fun facts that have nothing to do with the song? Well, it's Halloween. It's Halloween, so you know I brought up the the chocolate one. Maybe you know I was just the the yak pubes were like if someone wanted to recreate the rock costume. Right, you you were just doing that out of spite because you didn't want to know that Huey Lewis had a huge dick, and you don't know what to do with that information because you really like Huey Lewis. So I, I really, I really like Huey Lewis, and you know, yeah. And I, now he has a massive schlong, and I don't know what that changes. At that, honestly, the only thing that should do is that should make you like him more. It should increase <laughs> your respect that you have for the man. I'm I'm more terrified so, of him if anything. Well, I'd love a pack of nut kisses. Can you yeah. get me some nut kisses from wherever <laughs> they're from? Uh, yeah, I I will try to get some nut kisses. Uh, they they probably have them at that uh that store in the mall that has like all the exotic candies. They they probably mm. have it there. So I'll get you some. Nut that kisses. sounds good. I want a little pack of nut kisses if you yeah. could for me. No, I got you, pal. All right, well, Jesse, I think that's enough about uh, Season of the Witch. What is the next song that you'd like to talk about that you've chosen today? This is from 1979 by John Carpenter, and it is the Halloween theme. Ah, classic. Halloween as in the movie Halloween, for those of you who do not know. Uh, Michael Myers, first appearance in 78 by John Carpenter. I love this song. It's, you know what it is? There are it's a ten note melody. There's not that much to it, you know. Yeah. Yet it scares you, or it doesn't scare you. It creeps you out every time you hear it, because you know what's coming afterwards. You know. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. I love it. I could play it on the piano. That's one of the only things I know how to play on the piano. It's a C sharp, then F sharp, F sharp, and then that repeats like three times, and then it goes from. Uh, the F sharp to a a D and then returns to F when mm. you're doing the whole the the whole melody. Yeah, it's fun for me. I love doing it, and it and it, you know it's it's listening to it. It's not really a party song, uh, for like a Halloween playlist, but like it is at the same time because you could like kind of bump to it, you know, and get everybody kind of like, ooh, this is a creepy song, even though there's no lyrics it's just all instrumental the way john carpenter like came up with it is just it's just crazy but the entire i'm i'm gonna actually gonna talk about the the whole score in general for this movie because it took him three days to compose the entire movie and he he's 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 amazing he is he is one of the most underrated composers he really is Everybody knows him as a director, but not enough people talk about him as a composer and the themes that he's done, which yeah. I'll talk about when you're done. No, it's just crazy because the movie, the whole thing cost $300,000 to make, and he had no money left for like any type of composer. So Carpenter literally just had to do it by himself because he knew music as a kid. He learned it uh, from his dad. And playing shows in college, uh, like college bands, 
So mm -hmm. he booked a, a, a studio that had synthesizers in it and sat down for three days and wrote the entire score for Halloween. Now, yeah. if you tell me that that is not basically the biggest highlight, obviously this, uh, the whole vibe is cool for the whole movie. I, you know, it's one of my favorite horror movies. But you take out that music, Halloween just becomes this boring, like, just guy on the, you know, seat of his pants killing people. That yeah. music just adds to it. And the score in the beginning with the, the pumpkin and the rolling of the credits with this theme song, it just gets you in that spooky mood. And that's what I love about it the most is that the way it makes you feel without having to say anything, you know? Yeah. That's, you know, when a piece of music can do that, that's definitely, um, it means it's special. And, uh, you know, Halloween um, is an important film. Um, I mean, not only for kind of like reinventing the slasher genre, um, but I agree also that basically without, if you took away at least one part of the movie, whether it be, you know, you know, the way they did certain shots, the acting, you know, who's in the film. Um, but even the, if you took the music out of it, it would not be the same movie that it is now. Yeah, it really wouldn't. Um, I had the pleasure a couple years ago. Yeah, you're so um, lucky for this. I got to meet John Carpenter with my dad. I got my dad. Uh, it was when I was working uh, one of my first jobs and I got my dad a nice birthday gift. I took him uh to go meet john carpenter because he got me into john carpenter and he loves john carpenter and his scores i got to meet john carpenter i have a pair of um sunglasses from they live signed by him which is really cool and my dad actually um <clears throat> he got this uh he was building a light box uh for uh my stepmom's mom so i guess like my step grandma mm -hmm. um but because they're you know my stepmom's a huge horror fan and her her mom is a huge like die hard halloween fan um kind of like my girlfriend and uh he was building this light box and he he got a halloween mask signed by john carpenter to build the light box for her which i thought was really cool but he did this live and it was really cool. He went on tour with his son, Cody, and they had a backing band and they played through a bunch of his themes and like original music because uh, he'd just come out with an album at the time. But yeah, I mean, this is like one of the, um, the quintessential horror themes. I think this is like, you know, 100 years from now. Even if the if humanity's still around, you'll be looking at old horror themes, and this will be this will be one of them. Yeah, if know? it's not still being used by then, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, we don't we don't need to talk about what's been going on in the Halloween, the HCU <laughs> recently. So <laughs> yeah, we could have a we could have a whole episode dissecting the newest Halloween film, and yeah, I, many, I don't even many, I don't even want to touch time. that. I will say though, the music in the new Halloween movie, good as ever, you know, with John Carpenter and Cody Carpenter doing the score for it. So, uh, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't agree too much with that. I'm not gonna wow, lie. Wow. Okay. I think. Okay. I think uh, John Carpenter and I think his name is Corey Carpenter, his son. Cody. 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 Son, sorry. Cody Carpenter. Uh, not Corey. They kind of don't get it mixed I, up. Sorry, I think they kind of phoned it in after the first two, because you watch Halloween twenty eighteen, 
it's it's like you're right back in in the seventies, you know, with that mm. original score. Yeah. And then Halloween Kills kind of it was fine. There was some good moments, and in ends there's some good moments with the score as well. But overall, I think when they reinvigorated the franchise with eighteen, John Carpenter was fully in, you know. And then like, yeah. he started to I think start started to take a seat back because all those like classic themes from the original Halloween, the one that obviously where this song originated from, mm-hmm. were just not in the in the new ones. Like the the classic like high note, like whenever he like steps into frame, whenever Michael yeah. Myers steps into frame, well, you never yeah. hear that in in these two movies. But, you but it, it might not be. It, but that might just be an editing decision. It might not yeah. be a choice on part of the soundtrack. And I mean, listen, not to get into it too much, but I rewatched the 2018 Halloween for the first time since seeing it in a movie theater mm-hmm. the the first time we saw it together, and easily you could have just had that movie there was no reason to have another two films after that um with ends or sorry with kills and then ends um just going on a little side tangent um but yeah the music is really good in that one too but i mean like i said it's you know this is like synonymous with the horror genre is halloween michael yeah. myers the halloween theme the i mean it's been like how it's been parodied it's been it's been you know played on it's been mixed around it's yeah literally. i think it's great yeah so and, and i it's really funny just to think about when i was um seeing john carpenter live and he wasn't playing the mean melody but he was just holding down one note on oh he that, he that was his part <laughs> yeah and it was <laughs> so funny because i i have in the video i have i'm just zooming in and out on it like vibing mm-hmm. but it's like i don't know why i was going so hard because john carpenter <laughs> is just standing there with he has one finger on the keyboard and he's just like bobbing his head a little bit dun, so, yeah. dun, dun. right is that that was his part the the backing uh piano yeah yeah that was him okay well i just i love i like this quote that he that he had to say which was i love i love what halloween done for me i why did i say it like that i like what halloween done for me no i love what halloween done for me (laughs) i love what halloween has done for me uh i love all the movies because every time a sequel gets made i get paid hmm yeah getting them nice residuals hell yeah I'm sure he. I'm sure he wasn't happy that Halloween ended. Mm, yeah, well, Halloween ends for now, but like in another five to seven years, Halloween will resume. I'm sure. Mm. So it, it. I mean, this might have killed the franchise for now, but you could say the same thing about the Rob Zombie movies back in the day. So true. That's true. All right, Gabe, what is your next song? The next song that I've chosen, uh, this is going to be a bit of an untraditional choice, but I've gone with a song that I wouldn't necessarily say is a Halloween song, but I would say that the lyrics and the, the kind of like the musical structure of it, I would say it's a great Halloween pick. It is a creepy song, and I have chosen When You Die by MGMT, and it's off their 2018 album, Little Dark Age. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's abbreviated as uh, LDA on the cover. This was the second single off the album. 
And this song is like a very weird, psychedelic kind of like, the song is called When You Die, and it kind of feels like what would happen as you're transitioning into the afterlife. Mm -hmm. It is very, um, like, it's, it's very ethereal. It seems, it's very upbeat in parts, which is another thing that it adds to the creepiness, because the lyrical context of it is mainly it's a song about somebody who wants to kill themselves and then they do and then they die and um the the lyrics of the chorus are just so grim it's uh when you die words don't mean anything it's permanently night we'll all be laughing when you die and it's just like there's these moments of um like they they play these very like delayed weird vocal samples of laughing that they pitch up and down Mm -hmm. it's super psychedelic super trippy and i think it makes it a good uh halloween song um for that reason it's just it's very creepy it has this haunting i don't know what the chords on it but the chord structure on it is really and it's like it sounds like these like weird diminished chords that just like give it this very um off kilter sound to it that I really like personally. Um, and uh, fun fact, uh, it was written by uh, another independent musician. It was co-written uh, by Ariel Pink, um, who also played guitar on the song. Um, but yeah, uh, when you die, I think it's a really solid track. I mean, this, this album is great. It's just uh, hit after hit, after hit, after hit on it. I was originally going to do little dark age, but that song is more political undertones in it that I didn't really want to get into. And I mean, it is a creepy sounding song. This whole album has again, like these very creepy vibes on it. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, check out when you die, Jesse, what do you think about this song? I, I, I don't know if you're a big MGMT fan. If you no, never, never MGMT. heard the song. I don't think I've yeah. ever heard of MGMT. I think you have. I'm going to I'm going to stop you right there because they had two. they had a couple of really they had three mega hits back in the day. They had um, time to pretend, which I'm sure you've heard, um, which I'm pretty sure was used in Spider-Man. It was in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, What song song was it? It's called time to pretend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, them. Okay. And on that same album is uh, Kids, um, which is... They have a lot of very classic, um, like, just hook synthy riffs. And they have Electric Feel, okay. which is... They had... Their first album is, like, they blew up when they when they made that. Those, those songs are, like uh incredibly popular with like the early 2010s they're mm-hmm. they're huge hits um i remember hearing time to pretend in a bunch of stuff um but yeah um so i really I like you've this. heard them yeah this is very different though from all that so yeah no it's it's you know what you were saying like it's got the dark lyrics and stuff yeah and it does but when you hear it it's just upbeat you, yeah, I think you said I think you said before that it had upbeat moments, but the whole song is upbeat. The whole song is upbeat, but then it has, like I said, the chord structure to it almost kind of gives it this very like there's something very wrong. And the 
like I said, the chorus where they talk about death and the we'll all be laughing when you die, and then they go, ha 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 ha. Yeah, ha, yeah, that was really cool. So it's just creepy. It's so creepy. It's creepy, but I did I did find it very like enjoyable. Like mm-hmm. because uh when I listen to the songs I have the you know my headphones on. So yeah. you get to hear the everything around you. And when I heard it with the laughing, it got me. It got me like looking the other way. I was like, whoa, that's really cool how it pans. Yep. Uh, and I really like the album art too. The album art's cool. I don't know. Yeah, if, the album art's really cool. It's I got it's a clown kind of, on it. It reminds me of the scream. Yeah, dude, um, I was just about to say yeah. that to you. Yeah, it does remind yep. me of the scream. Vincent Van um, painting. So there's a music video for this song as well. Um, that debuted alongside it. Um, and it's like it details the death of a failing magician. And it's very trippy. I recommend you check it out. It it pairs very well with the well with the song. It's just very very well, very spooky. Very yeah, very very well. Very it's, well. it's it's it pairs very well with the song. It's definitely um uh like I can't remember the names of the directors for, it, but they did a really good job uh job with the track. Sorry, I have dyslexia, so sometimes you know. I just eat my words really bad but but yeah when you die um i i like and like i said i know it's not like a traditional um halloween pick and i have a lot of dead in the name of the songs uh here i'm just noticing in my picks uh and stuff that i'm talking about um but yeah um i think this is like uh like a i think it i think it should be it like a a Halloween pick. It should be on, especially like if you're listening to like a Halloween indie playlist, it should be on there for sure. Yeah, so. I could definitely see that being on an indie playlist. Even just a regular indie playlist, I could see that being yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this was a huge album when it came out four years ago, and they have they've only put out singles since then. They haven't put out a new album yet, which sucks because they need to come back to us. MGMT, they're uh they're giants of uh electronic music and synth pop. And uh, they need to return to us and bring us another banger album like Little Dark Age. But I'm sure um, they will at some point. But uh, going past that now, uh, Jesse, um, what is your next pick for us on this Halloween playlist on this very spooky episode of the Your Song My Song podcast? Uh, my number three is Psycho Killer. From December ah, of '77 by yes. the Talking Heads. Mm. Yes, this song—it's uh, you know—it's pretty simple, stra- uh, straight out. It's about a a, a psycho killer. Yep. Uh, this song was the was released on their debut album, uh, Talking Heads '77. Yep. And it was actually written three years before they put it out. Uh, they were known as the Artistics at the time. Yep. And in 1974, they first performed it, which was pretty cool to know. I didn't know that. Uh, this song, excuse me, uh, wanted to, he uh, David Byrne, he wanted it to resemble an Alice Cooper type of song. That's what he, that's what he started oh, with. Yeah. Okay. I definitely hear it. Yeah. For sure. He started yeah. with that. And then uh, he wanted, he wanted the song to be about, you know, a deranged murder, mm-hmm. and he wanted it to be in the style of an Alice Cooper, which I enjoyed hearing that. And uh, the movie, uh, the movie, the song is then influenced also by the movie Psycho, and uh, you know Norman Bates. 
Mm-hmm. So that's where that's that's the inspiration behind the uh, the song. I'm, I'm messing up as much as you are. Dang, it's okay. The song it's peaked good. at 92 here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like terribly big here, but it reached number 11 in in Dutch uh, Dutch charts in 1977. Wow, number yeah. 11 in the in the wow the Dutch love this song. Yeah, they do. That's, but it wow. was also included in the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I, I would be inclined to agree. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the Talking Heads have such a long kind of career, and they definitely, I'd say, like, well, this is one of their most known tracks. I mean, I think they have better songs because they, you know, they've, they especially like, um, God, I'm trying to remember the name of the album. It's Born in Light, I think, uh, is the, I think it's like their third or fourth album that has um, like Once in a Lifetime on it. Um, and they kind of, you know, David Byrne, especially like he's very eccentric musically. They experimented with their sound, mm-hmm. but this is, you know, such a classic song and definitely is the, has the vibe of somebody who is fucking crazy and they're going to start killing people. You know, I really like that, um, that part, uh, in the, the second verse of the song, where he's, you know, talking about um, when I have nothing to say, my lips are sealed. Say, say something, something once, once, why, why say, it, say again? it again? Mm-hmm. You know, like basically telling somebody who's fucking annoying to shut the fuck up before they, they catch a knife, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, no, this song is really creepy. Um, and also the baseline. The baseline. And then the, you know. Everything else comes in afterwards. Yeah. And, but I like how the bass kind of takes, um, you know, as it does in a lot of uh, Talking Head songs, um, it takes the foreground mm-hmm. um, and it is very droney. It feels like, again, it's reminiscent of if there were somebody stalking you or, you know, who was walking up behind you. Impending doom. Was a killer. Exactly. Very much an impending doom type thing. Like imagine just hearing um, the beginning like five seconds just on a loop yep. of just the bass line. You you would you would start to feel like something's up, you know? Mm-hmm. No, you'd be you'd be creeped out. Mm-hmm. Um famously I use this song in a horror short that I helped Dylan make for uh yeah. his class. <laughs> Paper um jam. I can't Paper Jam. Yep. He did it. It's called Paper Jam and uh and yeah, nope, we use this uh, song in the very beginning um, that I thought was really funny. So that, that's um, a that's a that's a Gabe Berry classic right there. Gabe Berry classic. Go look up Paper Jam. I had a, you I get remember to see, you get to see Waz. You get to see Waz yep. in there. Yep, Waz before the Waz in yeah. there. Um, yeah, no. Yo, he should um, post that. He should repost that. <laughs> he should post that. It would do so well. It would be so funny to post that. Um, that'd be funny. No. Um, but yeah, uh, I, you know, I think it's a, it's such a solid track and, and, um, I remember my mom told me, um, her and my dad went to see David Byrne in the eighties. Um, like, I think this was after, um oh god this was after talking heads broke up but basically he 
he started the show by coming out with an acoustic guitar and a boom box. Mm-hmm. And uh, he opened the show acoustically with Psycho Killer, um, which is really cool. Um, and then, you know, he had like his, if you've ever seen Stop Making Sense, he had like his full band come out. He had like, you know, the, you know, besides drums, he had like a full percussion section because he got very much into doing kind of like the Jamaican music type thing. Mm-hmm. So, I think but, this song um, actually, uh, when it came out as a single, it also, ha- uh, the, the flip side of the single was an acoustic version, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. It definitely has um, uh, kind of like that, uh, like reggae influence to it a little bit um kind of like uh i have a song i'll talk about in a little bit uh down the line that kind of has the same thing where a lot of people were taking like uh from that jamaican influence with the reggae the reggae beat um it it has a little bit of that feeling to it i feel with especially with the the guitar um and the 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 way the bass line is so um, I, I can't compose my thoughts well, but yeah, uh, Psycho Killer, great track. Love Psycho Killer. Um, good pick. Um, always a classic uh, in, in any Halloween playlist. So, but yeah. Gabe, we're at the middle. What do you got? Yep. Very excited to talk about this next song, um, even though I don't sound it. But uh, I did a little <laughs> bit of research so, for That this was too. so unenthusiastic. <laughs> no, I am. I am genuinely excited to talk about this because this song has been this this song lives with me wherever I go. I'm so Mainly excited be- to talk about this next song. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! All right. I'm so I'm excited. Listen- you know, Jesse. <laughs> I don't even need to. You know, just think about uh, Huey Lewis's dick. All right. You know, just, just all right. Just shut up. All right. Now, uh, this next song I want to talk about, I know I didn't choose a lot of themes, but I needed to put this on this list and talk about it. Uh, And the song I decided to choose was Killer Clowns by the Dickies. And it's off their 1988 EP, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, that came out alongside the cult classic horror film of the same name killer clowns from outer space if you have not seen killer clowns from outer space i recommend you do it because it is an adventure of a film you would be talking to me if you say that because i have not seen this movie you've never seen killer clowns jesse it always just looked like a horror movie to me it is cheap but it's just it's so good it's good in the way it's it's a not it's a bad movie okay it's bad it's funny bad it's like the room but but also like the clowns are like the, the at least the there's parts to admire about it the humans are stupid in this movie the kind of the whole main plot of the movie stupid but the premise of the killer clowns is really creepy and they're really stupid looking but also really fucking scary all right sell um, sell, sell me on the movie like what is it okay about? it's about Killer clowns that come from outer space. Their no, spaceship, shit, really? Th- yes, their spaceship is a giant big top. And what they do is, in order to fuel themselves and the spaceship, they take people and wa- wrap them in cotton candy cocoons and then melt their bodies down into fuel. And they go to different planets and do this. Okay. And basically, you get a bunch of humans who get involved and they some of them escape and they're trying to fight the killer clowns. And there's a pie that gets thrown at somebody and it melts them because it's an acid pie and 
you should watch the movie, Jesse, because I don't want to go into anything else. It's it's really weird. It's stupid. I watched this kid a bunch. Uh, I watched this as a bunch as a little kid, and it always stuck with me. I had one of those original, like you know, when when DVDs came in, um, like paper, yeah. cardboard. I I had an original copy of it and like that. Um, but I'm not talking about the movie so much as I want to talk about the song because the song is just it, it so basically the main part of the song interpolates i found out i did a little bit of research i've always been curious classic circus music that da, 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 that i always wonder where that's from right so i found out apparently um that piece of music itself is called entry of the gladiators and it was composed by julius fuchik a Czech composer in 1899. So that's public domain um, now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it it basically in the part of the song, there's this main riff that it's the, the that's interpolated from Entry of the Gladiators. If you've ever gone to a circus, you or you've been on a carousel, they always play this song on a carousel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. A little more information about the track. It was it was written for the film uh, by the Dickies, uh, written by Leonard Phillips, the frontman of the Dickies. He he wrote it without seeing the movie. He didn't see the movie before writing the song, and uh, I think that makes it a whole lot better because the lyrics don't have too much to do with the movie, and it's kind of stupid. Um, my favorite line from it, <laughs> from this song, is "See a rubber nose on a painted face." bringing genocide to the human race (laughs) it's so dumb but the song is stupid okay the song is stupid and it's jokey but it's 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 perfect because it fits the film so well and the movie's just like the the song it's just dumb it's stupid but it's like funny it is like creepy and weird at parts of it, but it's more of like a like a horror comedy. It's like I would say almost like in the vein of like the second Evil Dead. Like you really shouldn't be taking anything in this movie seriously, mm-hmm. except the design because the design's really cool. The way that they design the film, um, but yeah, um, and I just like the fact that uh, I figured out finally where circus music was from as well. Um, the lyrics are stupid dumb uh talking about uh pt barnum and you know clowns committing genocide but it's it's fun you know i'd say it's a fun song you definitely dance to this at a party i would say yeah, you definitely can. and uh and yeah um jesse you haven't seen the movie but you've listened to the theme song so it's, it's just like this really funny take on you know classic circus music that's seriously yeah. what this is it's just yeah that classic sound uh what do you say enter the gladiator it's called entry of the gladiators entry of the gladiators yeah so it's just that the entire song but then it's got the wackiness of like this bombastic sound to it right and it's got these funny lyrics like uh, they say diabolical bozos in there which i think is funny it reminds me yes there there is a lot of really just kind of over the top lyrics in it so it's over the big top yeah it is definitely over the big top so (laughs) no it's it's a fun song and for someone i mean i thought that this was summing up what the movie was about 
like you no. know, with its different lyrics and stuff, but I guess not. Nope. 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 I'm excited it to is... watch this movie now. If you're saying it, everything it is, you know how it sounds. You need to get the gang together. You know, watch it with some people on a big screen, mm-hmm. and you know, alcohol definitely would help. But it is it is a fun watch. It so is I definitely... de- so I shouldn't just watch it by myself. You shouldn't. No, I don't think you should watch it by yourself. I think you need to watch it with other people, especially if they haven't seen it. Like if Mike and Jess and Dom haven't seen it, you should watch it okay. with them. You should watch it as a group because I think there's definitely some like what the fuck moments in it that'll and some very like just creepy, funny moments that mm-hmm. you will enjoy laughing with more with people than with, you know, being by yourself. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I, I'll check it out because I, and spooky. and I keep saying it's as I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I keep saying it's jokey and dumb, but I don't want to disrespect the Dickies at all because I think the song is great because it encapsulates the feeling of what the movie is like. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, but like, it's not it's is, not a bad thing to be jokey and and stupid dumb. No, 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 no. I and I think it's um like I'm not trying to call the music dumb at all because I think it's I think it's a I think it's a solid track I definitely think it's a very underappreciated horror theme I don't see nearly enough people ever uh, talking about this song or putting it in playlists at all and I think that is a shame because I think it should be in more of them I think it's uh, really really good uh, and funny I think it's just you know and. For days, I will always have that stuck in my head over and over again. So, but yeah, no, I, I I do dig it, and I I definitely will watch it. Yeah, and you'll have to report back to me and let me know um, what you think about it mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, but Jesse, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, I don't like corned beef. Um, oh, you don't? Actually, no, I actually do like corned beef. I like corned beef, but on, like, a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anyway, that was really weird. Uh, Jesse, um, if you like corned beef, how about you tell us about your next song on your list? Yeah, the next song on my list is, uh, well, I'll, let me put this. I'll say this first. It's a, a little disclaimer. The term uh-huh. is a little outdated. Uh, this next song is from 1975. So uh, the song... Uh, the word often uh, offends the LGBT community, uh, so I just want to preface that this is a song from the '70s. This isn't. I don't. You know. I don't use this word in any negative term. It's just the name of the song, which uh-huh. is uh, "Sweet Transvestite" from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I I find this movie to be very very funny. Yes. And whimsical and whack. Uh, every single term that you could come up with that revolves around nut nutty you know Mm -hmm. that's exactly what this movie is it's just this combination of different characters and if you haven't seen the rocky horror picture show what are you doing i mean especially if you like musicals you should definitely watch this movie i mean uh, for a 1975 small little film like this i mean it took the the basically the world by storm on stage and that's why they made it into this movie yeah i think it started it's like theatrical started as a yeah it started as a as a musical i I think in 73 so like it took two years for them to be like to make a movie and that's pretty fast for them to be like oh this this should be a movie you know especially back then yep Uh, but the song is uh is 
sung and performed by the great Tim Curry. I mean, talk about a a legend in the industry, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fa- this is I, I I would say besides Pennywise. I, I personally, I think this is like his one of his most iconic roles. I, and let's not forget his role as the hotel concierge <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. from Home from Alone Home 2. Alone Two. Lost all right, in New York. let's just before you go and say this man only has two iconic roles. No, he's got many iconic roles. He's got three iconic roles. Okay, no, he's a he's prolific actor. He's absolutely he's amazing. And uh, but I would say for sure, besides his portrayal of Pennywise, I think this is the most this is his most popular thing that he's ever done. Yeah. And for good reason, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's 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 freaking awesome. And he plays uh, Dr. Frank Inferter. Yes. Which is just a great name, too. But the lyrics were written by Richard O'Brien. And he also did the the arrangements for the for the music itself. Um but this song was actually so like in the original like play the musical right this mm-hmm. song followed uh time warp oh no sorry this song was before time warp uh, oh really yeah so so frankenfurter came out first and then they did time warp but for the movie they flipped it so that they would have this huge number in time warp which i was almost going to put time warp on this list because like that's one of the most iconic songs from this movie too yeah, but I I went with Sweet Transvestite because it's I think it's really catchy and it's funny. Yep. It's got a like a little uh, jokes behind it with uh, what I'm about to say. But uh, you know the scene it opens up with uh, time warp ends and Tim Curry comes down the elevator right and he's wearing boots and he's he's cross dressing but that's like the character's uh, like look and everything like that and the song mm-hmm. looking hot. Well. Yes. <laughs> okay, she's never going to watch this, and I really hope she doesn't watch this. <laughs> Dude, Tim Curry in this movie reminds me of Miss Crusco. Tell me what you think about that. No. You don't think no. so? No. Shut up. What? No. She, they kind of have the no. same like hairstyle and everything like that. Okay, yeah, they have like the same hairstyle. Not, not like anything else. It's just, too much. it's just like the the hair and like the, just the kind of like, and the makeup is yeah. a little over. She always wore way too much makeup. Yeah, that's what I'm but, talking about. Uh, I'm not not the like not like yeah. the attitude, but oh no, I wasn't saying the attitude. I'm saying in terms of looks a little bit. But yeah, even no. then, I think you're, I think you're kind of stretching it. No, I, I think so. I don't know, but one of the one of like the most like the the most quotable uh lyrics from this is i'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual transylvania mm-hmm. uh but like the movie refers to that though as it's it's got like lore behind that whole sentence because i don't know if you know this but like the the planet that they, that they come from is uh is transsexual that's the name of the planet yes and then that's where they come from. So he's yeah. a he's a, a transvestite because, like you know, like we're like let's just say we're Earthlings, right? So he's the transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Yes. So that's where he comes from, Magenta and Riff Raff. Like that's their home planet. But I just think that's like a, a kind of like a clever way to 
lyricize where they're mm-hmm. from, you know? Yeah. But it's just a fun song, and that's why I put it on this list. Sorry, you know, I this song is not meant to offend anyone, like, coming from us, but I just think it's a classic, like, horror playlist song. Not a horror playlist, a Halloween playlist song. Jesse, I don't think you're going to offend a single human being by saying, I don't think there's anybody in the LGBTQ community who would be offended by you talking about this, because this is, I mean, uh, like, just one of the 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 most classic, you know, um, it is horror, uh, I would say it's horror adjacent, but I mean, it's one of the most classic musicals of all time, and on top of that, um, like, especially, uh, the themes of this movie i would say that dr frankenfurter is a champion of the lgbtq community so um but yeah i mean i i remember very vividly watching um uh the rocky horror picture show the first time i ever saw it i was in was living in new york uh this was uh maybe like five or six years ago and it was really late at night and i was awake and uh this movie came on and i had absolutely no idea what the fuck what it was about it had susan i noticed susan Susan sarandon Sarandon, and i was like all right okay let me watch this and they start doing the time warp and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) am i watching what is the shit and then tim curry comes down in his fucking spandex and his goddamn he's got that the stockings on and the lingerie and i'm like oh my god what is this this is this is insane this feels like a fever dream dude that's literally what i was gonna describe it as it's it literally, literally doesn't dream. stop too because it goes straight from that into they go into the laboratory and uh then meatloaf shows up and then meatloaf up. dies yeah, yeah. within the same five minutes yeah. or so uh yeah um i do know a fun fact about um the lab coat that frankenfurter wears has that pink triangle on it yeah. and i'm pretty sure that was it was used in concentration camps uh for uh gay people actually too because they had different markings for uh really people in a concentration camp and that pink triangle is supposed to be for uh homosexuals in uh in in concentration camps so i didn't i didn't interesting fun fact cool cool costume design fact um but yeah no i mean this is it's such a such a just a what a solid powerful introduction to frankenfurter Mm -hmm. and um i think uh just like the character in general um and like kind of like the overall tone of where we're going because the time warp i would say the time warp is like a one-off um it's really not um i don't it's like a it's a funny song but it's definitely not like conducive to where the rest of the musical is going and like the turns that it takes Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i just i I don't have much to add other than that like i love rocky horror picture show i've always wanted to go to one of like the reenactments that they do where they play it on like a screen and then people go up on stage and they perform it i've always wanted to Um, do that too I, I think that would be so much fun. So especially because, you know, I'm built like Meatloaf. So like I could be I could I could be like Meatloaf. You know, I could I could be Meatloaf's character. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think it's a great track. Um, I definitely I would say it's like probably like my second favorite next to the time warp on the, the soundtrack. 
uh, for Rocky Horror. But yeah, you know, good, really solid choice. So my grandma showed me this movie. She yeah. well, she didn't show it to me. She told me to watch it. She's like, okay, take this movie. She literally bought it on Amazon for me. She she's like, you know, if you don't like it, so it's okay. Take this movie, go home and watch it. You won't thank me enough. I'm like, uh, okay, like you know, sometimes I'm like a little apprehensive because you know I don't know what she's like trying to make me watch, you know, whatever. And uh, <laughs> I was watching this at home by myself, just thinking to myself, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah, I, that because the whole opening, you know, with the the opening number at the at the church and stuff like that, and you see Tim Curry there. So I did my research before I saw the movie, and I saw that he didn't look like that in the movie. I saw that he was Frankenfurter, right, and the way he dresses. So I was like, wait, why is he the – I think he's the reverend in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Why is he there? I still don't know the answer to this question. Do you have any idea? I think it's just supposed to be misleading. You think it's just supposed like, to be misleading? Like he was just there. In- plant this image in the audience's mind uh-huh. of who Tim Curry is supposed to be and then obviously he comes out as Frankenfurter and looks just out of this fucking world amazing I think especially if they did that in like the original stage you know play mm-hmm. the musical that it's just it's probably supposed to um, fuck with the audience's expectations and completely catch them off guard you know gotcha personal opinion i feel like that's how it is you you were like that exactly you were like why is why is yours this and then bam yeah you know he comes in later in the film as as frankenfurter and looks amazing so all right all right dude well thanks for uh, talking about that one let's uh let's go on to the next one well the next track that i would like to talk about on my list um I've been watching a lot of this TV show called What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, um, you started it? it? Is, I, I'm literally about to finish season two of it. Um, I think it's probably one of the best television shows running currently. It's hysterical. Um, and I love the format of it. I love the acting in it. Um, and it's, uh, it's based off a, you know, 2014 mockumentary of the same name. That's equally as funny. The, the movie is really funny as well. Um, of course it's, uh, directed by, uh, Taika Waititi and, uh, it's gotten, uh, Jermaine Clements writing in it, um, as well as, uh, I can't remember the other person who wrote on it, but, um, the theme song that they use for the show and both the movie is uh, the song that I'm going to be talking about. It's a song called You're Dead. Um, and it's the opening track off of uh, the artist Norma Tanega's uh, 1966 album, Walking My Cat Named Dog. And this song is for a song from 1966. I think it sounds like nothing else. It is just it's very dancey and kind of funky and very jumpy it's very it's a jumpy tune um but then it's just the the lyrics on it are uh just ominous very ominous she keeps going you're dead you're dead you're dead and out of this world Mm -hmm. and um and i 
I want to say the song's about a vampire, but I don't know. And I don't want to say that because of its association with the TV show. But there's a couple of times where she, you know, she talks about, like, don't being caught in the sun. Um, but, yeah, I just think, like, because of its association with the show, I feel like the song is synonymous now with uh, horror um, and it being very spooky and ominous. Um and the lyrics too. I've I've been trying to think about this, and I'd like your opinion on it. Do you think that the subject of the song is the victim of whatever this like otherworldly presence is, or it's the action? It, the the subject of the song is the presence itself, whether it be like a vampire or like a werewolf or some shit. Because I think it's I I'd like to think it's the latter. It's about you know something like you know like a horrific creature or some shit. I don't know. I mean, the lyrics are stay dead and out of this world, right? Stay mm-hmm. dead, stay dead. And then she says, run fast, don't stand in the sun, which is what you were saying before. Yeah. And how that could relate to a vampire, right? Yeah. I think she's talking to that person. Mm. Because she's saying there's too much to be done. You're down, you're down. Don't ever talk with your eyes. She's talking to someone. Yeah, and and the you're out of this world uh thing, I I feel like it's not even like you're like you've died and you've gone to like, you know, a different plane of existence. Like you are an otherworldly creature. Like, mm, like you are spectacle. not Yeah, you're not human, mm-hmm. you know. You are like you are different than human. So, um especially she says something later on in the song to like the tune of um um god it's like the something about inhuman uh has taken over some shit i can't remember what it is well she says it's time for the inhuman race time for the inhuman race that's what it is so um that's why like i i'd like to believe it's the latter it's about another worldly presence so but um yeah i mean not too much more to add. I mean, Norma Tanega didn't have a huge career. This album was really big, but not for this song, for actually mm-hmm. the title track, uh, Walking My Cat Named Dog. Uh, she was kind of a one-hit wonder. Um, she uh, she had a, a, a kind of a, a, like a, I don't even want to say brief, but a, a pretty long romantic relationship with uh, Dusty Springfield the uh the english pop singer uh in the 60s they lived together in england uh and uh tenega wrote a bunch of songs for uh dusty springfield uh unfortunately uh tenega did pass uh rather quite recently too about three years ago back in 2019 she was uh, 80 years old um but uh in terms of like folk and very experimental folk i think this album's really great and uh especially this song uh and and uh, the title track for the album they're just it's very different it's definitely i especially i love the bass line on it and um how yep. the the bass line um like it goes from being very slow and then kind of goes in with the guitar and jumps in with the guitars so um but yeah uh you know not not too much to say on it um but you there's, know, there's, we you were know talk- it's very simple that's that's yeah i i i agree like that there's not much to say too much about it because it's very simple it's an older song so there's not too much production behind it and the production that's there is very folky it's just simple to the point like there's the hands clapping there's the drum uh the 
not not even the drum it's the the tambourine and yep. the bass line you know just all those things come together with her kind of like it's not a spooky it's not uh, what's the term that I'm trying to use her the the way she says these words it's very well I was saying it's ominous it's very yeah. like you know, like something is about to happen type thing, yeah. you know, or something is currently happening. It should, the, her vocal delivery is very, um, there's like it's, nice some reverb echoing type yeah. of thing going on. Yeah. It's like, I, it's hinting on monotone, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's just very, her vocal delivery, like I said, is very ominous. And, uh, I, I, I mean, uh, it's. I think it's very complimentary towards the song and the lyrics, and I mean, I just like the fact that it is very, you know, like it's very uh, dancey and very mm-hmm. jumpy. You know, um, it almost reminds me of kind of like um, what what would be the kind of like the like it like almost like gypsy music in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's very it's very much uh, it feels like that. Like you're sitting around a campfire. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, listening to the song being played for you. So, yeah, the only um, reason why, the only reason why I know this song, thankfully, is because of uh, what we do in the shadows. Me too. And, um, and uh, honestly, uh, I think it's a great theme. Um, and I mean, something, uh, me and Sammy were talking about it and we both agree. Uh, like one of the things I really like about that show, uh, you know, I like how they're able to take pictures and very realistically put the actors in them and make it look like they were a part of this history. And it really sells, it sells the show uh, and the whole like documentary format. Um, And I I mean, I just, I really, um, I, I, and I like, especially in the opening, how you kind of get like, without them saying too much, you kind of get a history on all of the vampires, you know, um, you know, they focus a lot more on like Laszlo and Nadja in it, but, um, you know, we get to see like pictures of everybody and people, you know, their past and stuff. So did you see the, did you see the, the fan made poster for, uh, it was the Andor, like, you know, the new star Wars show. It was the poster no. for Andor and it's uh, instead it's Nandor. Oh, really? Yeah. It's really clever. And they oh. replace all the faces of the actors with the cast of what we do in the shadows. It's really fun. Yeah. Ha- You'll have to send it to me. Yeah, I will. Um, I will say, I think, I, I gotta be honest, though, my favorite character in the entire show is Laszlo. I love him to death. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's so funny. I just watched the uh, Jackie Daytona episode mm-hmm. um, where he, uh, spoilers, um, he has to pay a debt to vampire Mark Hamill, which yeah. was so funny seeing yep. him. <laughs> and so uh, he he escapes to Pennsylvania and uh, he's Jackie Daytona and he's got his blue jeans and his toothpick in and nobody notices him. And uh, the girl so- goes, she goes, you have a really weird accent for being from Arizona. And he's like, this is how everybody talks in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> and it's it's so good. He gets obsessed with yeah. the girl volleyball team. And it's very funny. So, so do you yeah. like do you like Laszlo the best because you share a last name with the the actor? Yeah, because me and Matt Barry share the last name. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But that's, that's... more than that, I mean, I just think that Laszlo's he's such an asshole, yeah. uh, and he's so self serving. But I think that makes him one of the best characters. So, um, you know, I like Nandor, uh, and I like. Uh, 
uh, Nadja. I mean, yeah. Guillermo, I feel bad for him all the time. I always gets... feel bad for him stepped on but uh sammy's favorite character is colin robinson and i hate <laughs> colin robinson so much he is oh my god he gets my blood boiling I, I like He's he so gets funny. he goes on a fucking power trip he is funny but i mean at the same time i also dislike him so mm-hmm. He's just he's annoying at certain parts. So because I know I know too many Colin Robinsons in my life and have been unfortunately around too many Colin Robinsons. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, besides you're dead, Jesse. Uh, you know, I'd like to I'd like to get to our next song. Your final pick. This is for, my final uh, for pick. today's list. Yep. But this song pretty much can end all. Halloween songs mm-hmm. because it is Thriller by Michael ah, Jackson. It is yes. the end-all, be-all of horror songs, you know? Halloween mm-hmm. songs. And the King of Pop is uh, is for... Uh, let me restart that. The King of Pop is the guy that did it. And this is from his seventh album, uh no sorry sixth album and it's his seventh and final single from the album which is thriller Mm -hmm. uh the guy who wrote it though is not michael jackson i don't know if you know this but michael jackson didn't really write all his own songs yeah he uh he didn't yeah so uh... ron temperton is the guy who wrote the song Mm -hmm. and the song was originally called starlight did you know I didn't know. So the origins of this song were that the original name was Starlight, and the chorus Mm -hmm. went, Give me some starlight, starlight sun. Ew. Yeah. Ew. That's how it went. And then Quincy Jones, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, he said that the song should be the title track, but Starlight was too crappy of a name. Yes. So they went with an alternate title, which was Midnight Man. And then, after a couple more hours, they're like, okay, we got it. It's Thriller. So Temperton, he wrote the lyrics within a couple hours for the whole song. And then he he saw, uh, he saw in his head that the, the song would end with the spoken word, but he didn't know like what it would be. He just knew that he needed someone with a famous voice, a famous horror voice. Mm-hmm. So his, uh, so Quincy Jones's ex-wife, Peggy Lipton, suggested her friend Vincent Price, which is who we hear on the on the record. And so on the way to Price's residence or like to a recording studio, wherever they went, Temperton actually wrote the words for Price to say in a taxi while he was on his way to get the recording. So you get that genius, you know, little speech at the end. And yet it was just written out of the blue in a taxi just for them to rush to get it done. But the main thing here is not really. Yeah, it's the song, right? The song is is the one of the biggest songs that pop really ever had. Like, especially then Thriller is like a diamond, like a. I think a quadruple diamond album or Jesse, something like that. Jesse, well, I'm amazed you 
you're not going to say this, but Thriller is the best-selling album of all time. Yes. Thriller has sold, uh, I think, over 70 million copies worldwide. Yeah. And nothing nothing even comes close to that. So, But the, the cherry on top of this, this song is the music video. Yeah. Now, I'm going to talk about the music video here. I know we're going to do uh, songs with with music videos in the yeah. future. I'm taking this off the list because this is this is the best music video of all time. And I th- I think most people will agree with that. I don't know if you necessarily agree with it. I think that is widely one of the most praised music videos and so much so that it is the only music video to be uh, put in the National Film Registry. Oh. The first and only. See, it is a music video, but it feels more like a small movie. Yeah, it's like, I think it's like 10 minutes or something like that. I think it's a little longer than that, I want to say. I don't know. Uh, I mean, let me look into that. But Mm. talk talk about Thriller for a second while I look this up. So, I mean, Thriller, man, uh, like, uh, I actually, I just looked it up. It's 13 minutes long. Um, it's a long music so, video. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it starts with, due to my strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, um, coming from the greatest selling album of all time, I mean, this is like one of the quintessential Halloween songs, uh, you know, like next to Ghostbusters. I remember doing the Thriller dance when I was younger. Um, oh, yeah. Is it my, is it Michael Jackson's best track? No, but is it like potentially his most popular track? I would I would bargain to say yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd say culturally, I don't know if you'd find a more significant Halloween song than this or like the Monster Mash, you yeah. know? Like it is, it's just a, it's a giant of a song, mm-hmm. and you know, rightfully so because it it's is infectious. a bop. It's infectious. It's in very, it's very infectious. It's very, it definitely in terms of like a horror song, it does the job. Michael Jackson. I mean, um, sorry, who'd you say wrote the wrote the lyrics again? Ron Temperton. Um, Ron Temperton did a great job of kind of establishing this very um, this this horror setup um, and and making the song definitely feel scary. And then, you know, when it explodes at, you know, into the chorus, this is thriller, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's great. It's really it is fantastic. I mean, I wouldn't listen to thriller very casually. I'd probably only listen to thriller around Halloween time. I also do that. Um, yeah, but, you know, it definitely is, like, it's one of the, I would say, you know, arguably one of the most important Halloween tracks, you know. Uh, and the music video is just a classic. I remember watching it when I was younger, like, being I was scared introduced. shitless of this video as it's a kid. Just... My, mom, my mom scared the crap out of me with this video. She had mm. a, I think, like, a, a VHS of a bunch of different things, and this was on it. And she put this on, and I I just remember because the the opening of the movie uh, of the music video is is a you know is like the fake movie. Yeah, he's in a movie theater eating yeah. popcorn and you know and enjoying himself. I remember watching him turn into the the werewolf, freaking out. It's such a vivid memory for me of seeing him with his girlfriend, and then all of a sudden you know he starts to change, and it's. It just always terrified me. And yep. then 
when the song kicks in and you know like fast forward a few minutes when the song kicks in i you know i i did the dance to the with the zombies with them you know and 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 i love vincent price in the song too and mm-hmm. uh and his you know just what what a great um you know like uh addition um to the song and his narration i think the song might not even be as powerful without him you know his laugh is (laughs) you know yeah um and and honestly like he he really adds to the song the narration is really scary and spooky um you know um and yeah I, i i there's not much i can add i mean it's just it's a top tier halloween song michael jackson song you know culturally will be remembered for you know probably by our grandkids 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 you know yeah so um, it's just with with vincent price like just the way he comes in with darkness falls across the land you know just the way he brings the just the chills down your spine when he when he finally starts to talk and you're like oh shit like what is happening and like because not a lot of music, not a lot of songs have this type of element to it where it's like a spoken word where it, it's ju- it's just supposed to creep you out. You know, there's not a lot of songs that can bring that type of emotion out of someone as when it comes to, you know, at least trying to scare someone while just listening to a song, you know, and with can the I last just say band, Quincy what? Jones's production? Oh, timeless. Yeah absolutely timeless i mean this man is he's probably i'd say he's top three one of the greatest producers of all time i mean he literally he made michael jackson's career you know he produced he literally produced the three best michael jackson albums he produced off the wall Mm -hmm. he produced thriller and he produced bad you know mm-hmm. and those are like the those are like the three quintessential michael jackson albums um but yeah you know um like it just timeless production um i love the you know the drums the kind of like percussive the mm-hmm. you know so and the brass on the chorus is yeah. so good so but yeah uh what a great pick Great Thank pick, you. solid, solid finish for uh, for your choices. I I think Jesse. Thank you. Yep. All right, we're down to the last song. Yes. Bring us home with and, a good one. Well, I think this is a great one, um, and it was my first pick to this list because when I think of Halloween, I think of this song, uh, and I don't think I don't know if a lot of people think about this song, but I I definitely think of this song. I was introduced to this song by my dad, so shout out to Peter Barry. Um, but I want to talk about a song that I would say is, you know, maybe just as influential and important to Halloween and to goth culture as maybe a thriller is or Ghostbusters, you know, well, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd say Ghostbusters or thriller or goth, but this song is hailed as the first gothic rock song. This band is like hailed as the first gothic rock band. And uh, the song I'm talking about is Bella Lugosi's Dead by Bauhaus. It is their first ever single. It was recorded and released in 1979. Uh, it was recorded in just one take over a six-hour session. The song is nearly 10 minutes long, and they got it in um, 
and uh in the it, it just a single six hour session they were able to do uh their take of it um it is it's a it's an epic of a song it's sweeping it starts off with this very uh you know we were talking about reggae but it almost kind of starts with this very kind of like reggae drum beat um and it's uh just like these very delayed uh guitar sounds um and kind of like screeching noises that really sets this very eerie spooky tone to it and the bass kicks in and then um the uh uh excuse me um what's it uh uh peter murphy comes in uh with the 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 first lyric white arm white translucent black capes back on the rack bella lugosi's dead and it's oh my god it's just oh it makes you shiver and i really like the lyrical composition of this song because they wrote the song um uh david J, who's the bass player for Bauhaus. they were uh back in the day uh they were binging uh vampire movies that were playing on tv in england and uh he wrote the lyrics uh because he liked kind of like the idea um about you know an actor you somebody who plays a vampire you can't retire from the part because a vampire can't retire from being a vampire um so it's kind of plays almost like on the irony of Bella Lugosi who if you don't know who Bella Lugosi is he is he played iconically played Dracula in 1931 probably next to the original Nosferatu the most the the most iconic you know uh vampire Dracula performance ever you know I would say maybe next to uh Gary Oldman's very underrated Dracula performance in uh the Dracula film from I think it was the 90s mm-hmm. um but uh it's just this very sweet i like when the guitars come in and it's just it's this it's an it's a nine minute epic and it is it's considered the start of goth and gothic music and uh and goth rock and i think it's very important for this reason and it might put a couple people off because of you know it it takes three minutes for the first words to get sang in the song um but i just love i love um peter murphy's like vocal delivery um bauhaus is actually a style of gothic architecture Um, oh i didn't know and that's what the band is named after um so as goth is originally goth is a style of architecture Mm. um but yeah uh i thought that was cool um they uh were able to uh get those really weird distorted kind of ethereal sounds uh by running um instruments through the guitarist's amp um and like i said it was done in one take so no matter how hard you try if you wanted to cover it you'd never actually be able to um like ever recreate it Um, unless you just sat there and uh, they all have song the entire band has songwriting credits yeah no it's it's just it's so it's such a creepy but it it just it's also it's it's very much a vibe like i could put this on in the background of a party i think the song's a total vibe uh for it and it is to me i i'd say it's like one of the quintessential halloween tracks um you know especially it, it considering its lyrical content is about you know one of the the most you know the most iconic 
horror figures of all time. So just yeah. kind of like how Vincent Price was involved in Thriller, you know. So this yeah. song is about Bela Lugosi, but um, but yeah, Jesse. Um, I, I don't know if you've song. ever heard. Yeah, I don't know if I don't. I didn't think you'd ever heard this song before. So I'd, I'd like to hear your uh, your opinion on it. It was really weird how I listened to this song, right? So I'm I'm making my show notes and I'm listening to this song, and the the t- the ten minutes where the song was playing, mm-hmm. I kind of did a time warp of my own, mm. right? Because I listened to it and. I was like, wow, this song is like, this song's is cool. It's like really fun, like, I guess funky, but like, it's got that weird tone to it, like you were, you were saying before. And then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, wait, this song is still going. But then I didn't know how long the song was. I just, I knew it was like, you know, a longer song. And then when I finally, like the music finally stopped, I was like, oh, let's see how long that was. It was ten minutes, and it did not feel like ten minutes. So if you if you're if you're someone who like backs away from longer songs, this doesn't feel like a ten minute song. It you just kind of like like you kind of just start feeling it after a little while, you know? Yeah, you get into a trance with it. You get it's a trance. You don't. Yeah. I I personally don't see myself like moving to it. You know, it's not. I don't. I feel like it's not one of those like. You can maybe like slow like bop to the song and kind of like vibe to it, like you were saying. Yeah, but, I, but I it's definitely disassociative. Yeah, I don't see this as like you know a, like a a you know ripping it on the dance floor to the song because that's not what it is. But well, you're very entranced in the in the song, and you lose you lose that that like time perception, especially if you're working on something and you're listening to it. Or you're just like having a conversation. I'm sure this song, you know, yeah, just fills that void. It's definitely you get into like this trance and you kind of like, um, what's it? Uh, you kind of zone out a little bit. Yeah. And um, like, it's just, it's so good for that. And, you know, dis- despite it just being like culturally important and significant in that way, I just think it's it's a really great song. And Bauhaus is a great band, too. Their debut album is, is great. Um, and I, I don't think enough people talk about Bauhaus. They're they're a great post-punk band. They're up there, I would say, with, um, uh, you know, in terms of like the new wave and post-punk. They're they're up there with like Joy Division, uh, Killing Joke. Um, you know, they're just they're really they they did they did something completely different with this song and you can hear it and the fact that they did it in one take too i think is really cool because they have all these really weird sounds that could completely sound like they could spiral out of control at any minute and they're able to kind of keep a rain on them like i mean i i love playing i have you know i have a bunch of delay pedals and reverb pedals and i play guitar and record music and i love playing around with it and it's just so easy to go so overboard with it really quick uh just turn back the feedback knob on a uh, delay pedal and make these really crazy kind of uh distorted sounds with it Mm-hmm. so uh i think i think what they did was really cool and i think more people need to check the song out if they haven't heard of it before um you know yeah um this is one of those it's... songs this is one of those songs that you could put on like at the end of the halloween party when people are starting to just like vibe 
Yeah, you know? this is when like, you're super drunk and yeah, it's and you're like sitting on the couch the and there's yep. probably like five or six more people left at the party and you're all just sitting on the couch, just like talking, shooting the shit, and this song comes on, and you're like, whoa, yeah, you know, you're just, it's just, it's definitely, um, and I like how you know they they have lyrics about the bats have left the bell tower, all the victims have been drained. And I kind of like how they use those very, like, distorted, those little, like, delayed guitar sounds and, uh, like, little, like, they do those little sound effects. And it kind of feels like you're inside of an empty castle, you know? Like, you're inside of a castle that's been abandoned because the vampire is dead, you know? Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, you know, um, I I think, uh, what's it? you know for a nine minute song this is a a great long song and uh i think you should definitely be listening to it on this halloween so i agree yeah but uh yeah that brings us to the that's it that's it this is the very end we're done that's it man we're just under two hours yep another episode in the books and uh you know thank you so much for tuning in with us again and uh, if this is your first time i hope you uh, enjoyed the show yes we um, uh, we do this every week this yep, is we... yep this is what we do <sighs> yeah man this is uh this is a good one and i'm it, it actually gave me a chance to actually stretch out and and do a little bit of thinking with this one because sometimes the songs come so easy to you yeah. and then other times it's like you got to do some soul searching you got to really look around and see what you want um you know and there's also there's a bunch of other really great picks that me and jesse have in this list so we uh we hope you'll check the playlist out um you know, highly encourage in the description. it yep links in the description uh playlists are on uh spotify and uh, apple music uh for you to check out and listen to so but with that being said jesse uh what's what's our next uh song or our, so, sorry, what's our next play? Our next playlist. Our next playlist is is going to be the sixties playlist. Yes, so we were going to do the sixties this week. Like I said at the top of the show, uh, we decided to do the Halloween because we had that week difference. So Halloween this week, sixties will definitely be next week. Mm-hmm. So that should be awesome. Fun. That'll be awesome. uh, all range of the sixties. You know, wherever you want to go with it. That's basically what we're going to do. And it should I be, think that should I, be a good one. I think I have some great 60s songs chosen. The mm-hmm. 60s, genuinely making that list was difficult because you just forget how how what was starting during the 60s and how good it was. So, yeah, well, that, see, this is, this is the funny part. Well, I won't say, like, specific stuff, but we talked about our 60s playlist already. Last week, we talked about it a couple days ago, and it's scary how similar our lists were. Yeah, we had a bunch of the same artists. We, I, well, you know, we like, always have ten. We always have ten, yeah, songs each, and I think it was eight of them were either the same artist or the same song. Yep, that shit. I that's gonna happen probably a lot, but it was just wild that it happened with the '60s because yes. we could have gone anywhere with the '60s, and just so happens that we were on the same level, so. I I thought uh I think I said this to you already, but I'm actually gonna change my list up because I I really liked your solid picks that you had. Mm, yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna have to work on that a little bit. Well, I'm fun. very I'm very excited to discuss uh the '60s. Um, you know, but it'll be funny that it's we'll be talking that it will come out on um 
on Halloween day. Yes. So, but, um, yeah, but uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And like we said, uh, links in the description uh, for links to the uh, podcasts and uh, playlists that we uh, spoke about today. And uh, as always, I've been Gabe. I've been Jesse. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Outro, Gabe, take it away. If you want to listen to the songs we discussed as well as other picks for today's episode, a playlist is linked in the description below. Make sure to subscribe, like, rate, and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram at YSMS underscore podcast. And thank you again for listening to the Your Song, My Song podcast. See you next week.